I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Football Ramble. The transfer window slammed shut and Newcastle's wholesome fairy tale continues. It's Wednesday the 1st of February. I'm Jim Campbell. I'm Vidisha the Hunter Raja. And I'm Luke Moore. Hello, everyone. We're back. It's Wednesday. The transfer nonsense is done. <laughs> the Carabao Cup rolls on. Jimbo's in the seat. Jimbo's in the seat. Yes, Fish. Jimbo's in the seat. Jimbo's in the seat. He won't I'm sing. In the seat. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't sing. Jim <laughs> refuses to sing. I'm trying to be my own hype man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, flavour, flavour. <laughs> yeah, blandy bland. Blandy bland. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, that's me. That's, that's, yeah, he's very harsh. Are you, um, so you're, are you Mr. Moon um, or Mr. Sunshine to Marcus? Um, I don't know what it, that Jules means. is the devil. We've got those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the sun comes out, but they, they can't come out at the same time. Yeah. It's like a kind of thing, like a clock. I'm going to try my best to be a solar eclipse. Just okay, absolutely nice. blow your mind. Okay. Nice. Solar eclipse to Marcus's moon. Yeah. Jules is Kramer or someone. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I like Jules. that. Yeah, let's keep mixing metaphors like this <laughs> throughout the show. So um, Newcastle, they're going to Wembley. Mad, isn't it? I mean, it it was pretty incredible to watch because I suppose we should say it straight away because of the way that they've accrued their wealth. I suppose they haven't accrued it; they've just been given it and mm. been taken over. And the way it's been utilised have been quite different things. I think if you look at the way that Eddie Howe's got Newcastle playing, you can see you know the fact that the squad feel that little bit together. Obviously, that's helped by being supplemented by good players. But then you see like a night like that at St. James's Park and you, you see the feeling and just the noise as well. Like, yeah. it's remarkable. You know it's going to happen. As soon as we, I was on the show after they beat Southampton at Southampton. Southampton have got no hope. Like, no. no hope now. There's, there's no way you can see a team. They'd take a very, very good team indeed to go to St. James's Park in this kind yeah. of era and this kind of atmosphere and get a positive result there. Yeah. And Southampton aren't that team. 
Not at all. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, the atmosphere was amazing. Local lad DJ Shaq performed in the stadium pre-match and Ali McCoy said, I'll have to think about him for my next birthday party. Which he is was loving basically, it. Basically, that's like the top gig, isn't it? Ali McCoy's birthday party. <laughs> if you're a, so if you're you're a local to, yeah. DJ, that's absolutely incredible stuff. But I thought actually the Newcastle team were very sort of impressively collected and comfortable given how much a cup final means to the fans and to, and to everyone around the club and how obvious it is that that's the case. There was no hint of any pressure of that, no, and which I think, is really impressive. And I think also it, you, you have to work really hard to get out of that shadow with, when you're Newcastle United that, oh, at some point this is going to go wrong. Exactly. Because yeah. a lot of, some clubs have that profile and it's not just because of Kevin Keegan, although he has contributed to it, <laughs> that at some, at some point it's going to kind of collapse. And Pushing you, over DJ Shaq's and, desk yeah, as he trips well, over. <laughs> speaking of DJ Shaq, have you seen what he looks like? He looks exactly like Bruno Gimmerich. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. I wonder whether he stars himself on a particular player that he likes at that point. Oh, every that's week. not a bad shout. Every, maybe every week. Or maybe when that player moves on, he has to style himself as another yeah. one. Almost like a DJ version of getting a shirt with a name on the back. <laughs> but um, I was just going to say that, you know, the, the players showed no um, sign of that. Did they? they showed no right. sign of thinking, oh God, at some point this, this is going to go wrong. They obviously aren't affected by that kind of attitude that some of the fans may be. And to be fair, the fans generated an amazing atmosphere. I mean, it was, it was, they weren't, it's just they weren't going to be denied. No. It, just, it was never, especially as Longstaff gets a couple of goals, he should have had a hat trick, he was amazing. It's interesting that, I don't know, Vicious, this is kind of a, a, a maybe a broadsheet journalist angle. This is a bit of a Henry Winter question, but is it interesting that the guy who gets the two decisive goals is actually a local fellow and not a guy who's come in for millions and millions of pounds. Does make the match report that a little bit easier, yes. Henry Winter would do a thousand words on that. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't Whereas it? I would take a sideways glance. <laughs> yeah. You I mean, take a sideways glance at cricket. Yeah, I do, often. Yeah. 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 It's the best place to watch it. <laughs> um, I think it does matter because... I think the thing that help would help Newcastle fans... Particularly, you know, you think of someone like Pete, the thing that will help someone like Pete in terms of his stance on the owners, um, I suppose, warm to the project a bit more, is being in touch with the local area. And, and I suppose it's a lot of what Man City owners did. It's what Newcastle owners are doing very well. There is a connection to that because they know how easy it is to... I mean, that's part of sports washing, really, isn't mm-hmm. it? Entirely, yeah, yeah, exactly. But, the, but when you think about it from a... From a purely football squad basis, I think it does matter. Even if, I suppose, the, the local thought would be, as you as you articulated before, um, those those nerves, that sense of, shit, this is going to go wrong somewhere. Having someone like that just builds that attachment a lot quicker as well. And, and, and it does matter. And, and it's interesting that even before the new owners, there was talk of him leaving, whether it was out on loan or whether it was just actually, you know, permanently. And it, with all due respect, when you looked at the squad, when they got taken over... Even before the signing of Bruno Gimmerich, who was one of the first through the door with this new regime, you know, he probably highlighted him as one that he'd probably on his way on his way out. And yet he seems, you know, quite an important point of that, certainly in the way that he breaks from from midfield to attack. And, and he's, to be fair, I think he's been due a few goals. He's missed a few sitters, and I think Newcastle fans have been quietly frustrated by his output. But well, I, th- I think also when it mattered, you could use him as a lens with which to say that Eddie Howe's done a job that's a little mm. bit more impressive than just yes. a of players. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. You know. Realistically, would anyone have said that you know, they would be in third in the Premier League and in, in, at Wembley for a cup final and Sean Longstaff would have started 16 Premier League games? Yeah, mm. but, I, absolutely. I mean, Longstaff's a funny one, isn't he? Because he was actually linked with Man United for a long time. He, he was, was yeah, when he broke through, he, yeah. He, he, yeah. He, he, He's 25 he now, though. Yeah, but he, he was very rated. Clearly, there was... There was a, a ceiling that was visible for those in the know. And again, it's he's almost like a sort of acid test for how, isn't he? Like this is he can get those players near to where 
their, their the top level of ability got. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, he's doing a fantastic job there. Um, one person who wasn't at the game because he couldn't get a ticket was, was Nobby Solano. He was trying his best. Uh, in an interview, he said, he said, what's that bar called where the fans go before the game and sing? I'll go there with my trumpet and play and hopefully someone will give me a ticket. That's not going to help. No, I, well, I think... Well, get him out of here. <laughs> get him out of here. Get I him in the stadium. Nobby Solano in Newcastle, though, they w- probably want to keep him in there, won't they? I, I don't know if you, you saw this. Um, I think it might have been a, a week ago now. But... Um, Obviously, because of New- because Newcastle doing well, what you're going to do is you're going to see a lot of people coming out of the woodwork. And now, actually, when you when you think about it, there are quite a lot of Newcastle former Newcastle players as pundits as mm. I-, I suppose celebrities in in the football world. So if you know, they, they obviously you've got Alan Shearer on Match of the Day, and you, but you've got various others dotted around who, whether on TV or radio, are you know associated with the club. And I think it was last week. Uh, Jose Enrique, who obviously played at Newcastle, but then went to Liverpool and has constantly, you know, his persona has been Liverpool player, Liverpool player. He came out and um, he tweeted something about being back in Newcastle and like really enjoying it here. And Newcastle fans laid into him for jumping on the bandwagon. It's genuinely (laughs) hilarious. One place he doesn't like to be is the woodwork. (laughs) So (laughs) Liverpool, obviously, I'm having a poor season. Yeah. I'll fuck that. Enrique is so into this stuff that he pops up on like, the comments on Instagram posts and stuff like constantly <laughs> really? he's just everywhere right, yeah. he wants to be a part of it he, he wants does. to be a part of it it's fair enough I'll tell you what the, one, of the, one of the highlights of the game well not highlights probably the wrong word but one of the big talking points of the game was that um, Bruno Gimaresh speaking of him um, that sending off because that was horrific I mean, yeah his reaction to it was incredible as well it's like what yeah I can kick people, can't I? Did Sky Sports have to show it like forty times? They showed it because if you, if you, I'd love to know if someone can tweet us and tell us exactly how many times Sky showed it because they got the VAR element to it, which means it has to be watched in various different yes, speeds about yeah. fourteen times. Mm. That Sky just kept showing it. At one point, I reckon, they, I reckon they must have shown it fifteen times. I, I think possibly that was because they were still determining whether we was going to be sent off for it or not. Right? I think it wasn't obvious. But, I mean, if you can't see that, sending off to me. Sure, really. I mean, yeah. That's obvious. It's a massively obvious sending Yeah, no, but the, the, the referee was deliberating, right? So the pundits deliberated along with it. Yeah, I guess. It just it just felt like a bit like overkill. Yeah, I think they do that. They don't show it when they know there's been a serious injury. I know that, yeah. I understand break. that. So I think, is he all right? We don't know that, but it's not broken. Keep showing it. <laughs> yeah, we'll just keep watching it over and over mm. again. So, um, yeah, I mean, if, if Newcastle do win a trophy, is this the feel-good story of the year? Bloody hell. <laughs> I, I th- do you know what? There are a lot of people out there who say that, you know, it's morally reprehensible anyway if, you, if you're a billionaire. Mm. Like, as in, there's no way of becoming a billionaire without some kind of exploitation along the line, right? Yeah. So you have to be very careful about drawing yeah. kind of these arbitrary moral kind of um, objections to certain things. But it's kind of, you know, like I said earlier, we have no choice but to cover it. We have mm. to. It would be preposterous for any media outlet, however big or small, yeah. to say, we are going to make a football show and we're just going to arbitrarily not talk about Newcastle because we don't personally like the ownership. Like, we, we shouldn't have to make these decisions. So ultimately, we've got no choice but to cover it. But I, I mean, you'd have, you have to have a very hard heart to, to to begrudge Newcastle fans who've you know not really won anything for a very very long time, especially after Mike Ashley just sort of well, yeah, exactly. sat on their club, yeah, <laughs> sat on their ambitions, just sat like, on Alan no, Shearer, yeah, exactly, kicked him just, out, yeah, and yeah. then vomited in their dreams, yeah, completely, <laughs> yeah. and also added to the whole laughing stock thing. You know, we we touched on it earlier. The whole sort of banter club thing, for want of a better term, is a very difficult thing to shake. Yeah, and there's n- there's no hint of it at Newcastle. I, I no. think I, I think the thing that you know, I, I suppose cast even darker light on the Mike actually Ashley Rain is you know, Newcastle have spent money and obviously wages are 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 
uh, factor here that people don't really talk about because you only attract big players by yeah. offering them big wages. Definitely. Um, but evidently, it shows like with a bit of coaching investment where they could have been in certain points where they seem to be on their at least have a some semblance of stability, and yet his his constant refusal to actually invest and to to do anything good full stop beyond make you know sticking a fucking big sports direct mug of a label on top of their stadium um just shows like you know that stasis they're, they're lucky to be honest because we see what that stasis does to to other clubs you know including Southampton yeah and and it's where we are now as a, as a, as, a, as a sport yeah that's where we are now as a sport like ultimately you, you cannot buy a premier league club now realistically mm. with the odd exception unless you're a billionaire mm. and particularly not a top club so that's just where it's just where we are like there's not really much more else to say about it you know yeah. So let, should we get away from the pitch? Because it's boring, isn't it? <laughs> um, should, let, let's round up deadline day, shall we? Do you reckon, little, more, do you reckon, more, do you reckon more people watch deadline day than watch that game? Um, how are you counting people watching deadline day? Because if, if it's tuning in for a bit, I'd imagine definitely, yeah. Because it's, the reason but it's got to be Sky Sports News' biggest day of the year, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say so. some distance. I'd say so. But the reason I ask is because I can't get away from the idea that it's actually now some of the most boring television. It's really anywhere. strange to watch now because they've yeah. made it a lot more slick and a lot less chaotic. Yeah, and that's made it worse. I, I think. I think that um, to me, the golden rule of TV and particularly live TV is you show and don't tell. Right? Mm. It feels to me like if you're telling over and over again, it's kind of like anyone can do it, right? Most people, presentable people who are intelligent can read an auto cue, right? And the whole idea of live TV is like you're showing people lots of different things. It's making it unpredictable. It's making it interesting. And they've had to, for various different reasons, I suppose they feel like they've had to remove all this unpredictability from it. And ultimately what it is now is just four or five people sat around in smart clothes in front of a slick studio essentially discussing admin and the same admin over and over again. And I just, I, I watched about an hour and a half of it. I know you did as well, Vish. And I, I just sat there thinking, this is so boring. Like, and, and not only that, you know, I don't criticize people necess unnecessarily, but like you've got people in there who clearly don't know anything about, say, the players that are coming in from mm. European clubs because they're bread and butter. And, and you know they won't know anything because they spend all their time watching the Premier League because that's what, that's what they've mm. been employed Until to Andy comes on and looks absolutely well, yeah. in his element when you're <laughs> yeah. talking about like Andy friend. can actually do it. Yeah, yeah. Andy, But Andy's like the one-eyed man in the line of the blind, right? He can, <laughs> people think of him as some kind of deity because he actually has watched Enzo Fernandez play outside of the World Cup. So the whole thing just seemed a little bit odd. And then, and then towards the end, I mean, them showing Big Ben striking 11, yeah. they showed every single bong as well. Which is like, it just contributed to being the most slow-paced, mm. odd, boring TV. Un unless there is a last-minute move for Gaytan Bong, you don't need that. <laughs> yeah. And he's well, there the whole time. Yeah. Also, yeah. it would be, be really funny if one of the things they didn't realise, if this happened to be the case when they updated Big Ben, that one of the things was it went to a 24-hour clock, so they had to stay for 23 <laughs> months. <laughs> yeah, that would be brilliant. But what do you think about it? Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, no, no, definitely, yeah. Because I, I think what happened with, um, well, I think what is happening with Sky Sports News and particularly what they did with Transfer Deadline Day is they made it into a spectacle and then they were uncomfortable with the spectacle that it became because, yeah. you know, I always find it a bit pathetic that people would turn up at, you know, training grounds and uh, for Deadline Day and be there right through the night with the reporter, like, you know, annoying the reporter, sticking a dildo in his ear. But it's yeah. interesting. Which is, it? which, which it's, obviously, it's if funny you're... funny though, yeah, in for, terms uh, of a spectacle. Well, yeah, for, for, for listeners who weren't aware, that 
genuinely happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it, that, well, that was probably part of why it's a little more slick now, right? Yeah. Well, that was the peak of it, I think. Yeah. Really, that you know, it flew too close to the sun at that point. Yeah. But it's not slick. It's, but too close slick, to the dildo. Is it slick? No. Well, well, in terms of it, the way it's presented, I think, as you say, you know, people sat around in smart suits. You got segments with it. You know, you got Tony Pulis on for a bit. They'll have him for an hour. They'll do a little package about his previous deadline day exploits, things like that. It's all very like yeah. calm, collected. They know what's happening in two hours' time. But Whereas both, in the past, they were just flying by the. Which pants. is what live TV should be, right? And, and, and that's what I mean. I think it's worse for being for, slick. For, for the most part, it just looks like a, a sales conference webinar. Yeah, <laughs> you know, which, like it's yeah. almost like it's yeah. almost, if you children in need, for example. If children need, don't ever go to the one eye teddy bear. No, I'm not. Well, no. To be fair though, children in need has been around for a long time, and they still haven't fixed his eye. So <laughs> where's the money doing? going? Where's yeah. the money? No, but if your children need was just... is it like Stevie Wonder where people think he's not blind? <laughs> it's a conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> if children need was just a totalizer. And a load of people talking about, you know, impoverished people. It wouldn't be a, the whole point of it is that lots of stuff's happening. Yeah, nothing's happening. No, the problem with Sky's deadline day is nothing is happening. Yeah, and even if it is happening, they can't show you it because they're not going to show you it. They're just going to tell you about it. So you've got a guy in a suit with his phone out saying, "Oh yeah, the Fernandez deal's still not done." Yeah, like, it's, who are they making the show for? Because if I'm if I'm someone who's desperately trying to get another Chelsea transfer in because I love Chelsea. I'm I'm probably going to follow David Ornstein on Twitter, well, okay, and so he's not on telly. So what's the point? This is this is the thing. So you just asked, who are they making it for? They're making it for people who are getting their news online, who aren't who aren't actually watching. So there's no point doing it then. Exactly. Yeah, because a lot of the so you know Sky Sports have Sky Sports have some very good journalists, and a lot of the thing with with breaking news is that. You know, people people lament that you know Sky sources confirm so and so, but but that does happen. The story comes out. You speak to your own sources about it. There might be a bit of crossover. Those might be the same sources that gave that information to the person who broke the exclusive. But ultimately, you know that that is still a thing. But because of how people consume their news now, because of you know, I suppose accounts that are solely dedicated to one club's transfers, that that is often the best place to get them because they'll you know they might link. They whether it's a, an app to a telegraph sport or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And so you you know, you follow it's any you end up following these journalists or these aggregators for that information. And so often when it's talked about live on Transfer Deadline Day, it's because they've just seen it off Twitter. Yeah. yeah. And as you say, you end up throwing to I don't know, some because because he was there yesterday and picking him out, but you end up throwing to Chris Boyd about a player. Chris Boyd is actually a very good pundit, but you can also you can also get that information from someone who's seen him live on Twitter, who will do you like a 10 tweet long thread about it. So yeah, it is, I, I think personally it's utterly redundant. It, feel, it feels like it's out of time. Yeah. I haven't caught up with that yet. Yeah. Very much so. And they, I think they're trying to address that and it, doesn't, it isn't quite working yet. But in, in the window itself, Premier League clubs spent more than £275 million yesterday alone. Yeah. £815 million spent in January. Uh, that will be once Santo Fernandez to Chelsea is confirmed. That's the biggest January ever. Yeah, it's huge, yeah. absolutely huge. Which is mad in the, in the light of Jim. It was only a couple of years ago people were saying the whole thing's going to change because of COVID and everything like that and the bubble's going to burst now and now yeah. we'll follow it up with the biggest January ever. Well, I think what, what's happened though, a huge part of that is of course because of Chelsea spending because it's it's so sort of gargantuan. Todd Bowley's brought in this 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 new tactic really of spreading out the amortisation over very, very long contacts, uh, long contracts rather. And I think what's, what that's doing is particularly for selling clubs outside of England, they are whacking 20, 30 million on a player. Well, we had a situation a few seasons ago, well, in the seasons before COVID, do you remember? There was a there was a spike in transfer fees. It was like, you, it was really hard to tell what value was yeah. and what, what a 30 million pound player was. I think it is anyway, it seems though, less. It? But that's happened again, hasn't it? Yeah. It's really difficult to know, like, 
What is a seventy million pound player for now, or are they someone who's your your banking is going to be a success in the next two or three years? It's, yeah. To to me, it feels like transfer fees are a kind of a weird phenomenon anyway, because they're essentially just dictating how much the um, buying club wants to have that player, yeah, and how much the selling club wants to sell them all bracketed up with the length of the contract. To me, that's really what dictates it. Yeah. And possibly the age of the player as well. But I don't think it's that helpful to think of them, I think of it in a broad sense, this is what a £30 million player is. Because I think every every situation is completely individual. Because mm. like the Enzo Fernandez thing, as you mentioned a second ago, you know, he's only played something like 77 senior well, games. Th- this is what I mean. Like, a play- if you're spending that much money on a player, surely it's a player for now. You know, it's a player who's proven, who's going to come straight in and 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 affect your team. And the precedent has been set a few times here uh, that that's not necessarily the case with Fernandez and Madrid as well, who are you know both clearly very talented, very good players, but are are players where well they just simply haven't played as much as mm. as, as that that fee would 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 dictate. So it's a it's a funny one. So uh, who um who stood out for you guys in, in the window? I'm, I'm the Jorginho to Arsenal transfer is, is quite a quite a surprising one. Um, I find myself talking. I find myself talking myself around to that. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, Jorginho is a player so unglamorous that they won't let him be Brazilian. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is. Um, there is no question though that he Im- improves Arsenal's midfield backup over an injured Mohamed El Neni uh, for one thing. But I, well, I think I, I, it's, it's a smart move given the market. Really. Yeah, I mean. It feels like he's more of a body than a direct replacement for 100%. El Nani because he's a different kind of player. I suppose he does have metronomic qualities. I'm, I'm fascinated to see how he, like how he will actually operate with Arsenal because I feel like the only way he could operate is a deep lying midfielder, yeah, who then has the support of, you know, one of Xhaka or Partey alongside. Yeah, I, I think he'll play instead of Partey. I would, I would think, but Be, yeah, because he, he, he's not, he's not like a, he, he, he's not an energetic midfielder. You don't watch not. him for Chelsea and think, well, there's a guy who gets about. He, his best form for Chelsea came when Kovacic was was running around like a lunatic. Yeah. Next but Jacker yeah. will do that next to him, and I, I think um, be the lunatic. Essentially, the cat fits. The role he was born to play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, um, so, Arteta really, really values control. That's what he's, he's wanted. Been, you, been, he been, wanted him for a while. Yeah, he wanted him when he was assistant at. Man City. He's been chasing him a long time. Right. So do you so foresee him as a? He is someone who will close out games for you. Though. He, I mean, currently the holding pattern is very much that if a game needs to be won, Rob Holding comes on as an extra <laughs> defender. Right? And I mean, this this puts that through the roof as a yeah. sort of contingency sure. plan. Also, Thomas Party is fairly injury prone. I mean, he's not a like for like replacement. Their stats actually match up fairly well. Jorginho isn't the quickest, but as I say, he Arteta really really values controlling games and in midfield in particular. That's what he's been trying to change about the club and that's what he's done very successfully. That is the entire point of Jorginho, isn't it? It's having a secure um, presence in the middle of the park. Yeah. I, I think, I think um, I, was, I was actually surprised at the, at the reasonably negative attitude towards the signing from certain people. Like, yeah. I, I, feel, I feel like a lot of it was informed by its Arsenal fans saying, another player from Chelsea, we buy players from Chelsea and they're a bust, like Louise or mm. Willian or whoever. And ignoring the fact that like there are a lot of players around the Arsenal signing that didn't work out, whether they were coming from yeah. Chelsea or not, at that and point. that they're all different individuals, they're all different individuals, different. And a lot of time, it's, as we know, it's the environment they're going into, which now at Arsenal seems pretty swept up and pretty pretty high operating. Um, and I think it's not only just controlling games towards the end if you're already a goal or two up or whatever, but it's also like you know down the stretch, it's you know I, I don't think I just can't see an argument against the fact that you're signing a player who 
like a few years ago, was right up there in the Ballon d'Or, yeah. mm-hmm. and who is literally a world-class operator who can give you more control yeah. in, 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 in individual games. You, you go and play... I don't know. So you go Arsenal playing um, Leeds, you know, late in, in April or whatever, and Leeds are on a real resurgency, or they're battling against relegation or whatever, and they're a high energy team. You can just get someone in. You can play Jorginho and say, "That's fine. We'll yeah. just tip the ball yeah, over." It's... And and and, Ars- and Chelsea, by the way, I've just paid paid a hundred odd million pound for a metronomic defensive midfield player as well. So like, clearly they're they're important players. Yeah. Those types of players. Yeah, I, I think there's an idea amongst certain sections of the the, the Arsenal fan base on. On Twitter, and as well, you shouldn't read too much into that, I think, because you see some real, let's say, low cognition um, <laughs> on the internet at the, at the end of um, transfer deadline day across the board. Absolutely. It makes you realise that dumbing down very much happened. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's a sense that the idea is that you, as an Arsenal fan, you just don't like it if they sign a player from Chelsea, especially a player who's over 30 from Chelsea. But again, you've got to look at each transfer on its merits. And it's very difficult to get a player who's willing to play that role at all, let, let alone one with so much experience and who can just slot right in. So I think it's a good bit of business. Edu out uh, was obviously trending on Twitter. That's <laughs> um, gone down well. That can't be for That was just Jim. No, honestly, honestly. I mean, they are, again, it is the, it is the, the ones with very poor cognitive ability no but you, uh, you're still you're still running that click farm aren't you well yeah. you know you're, you're, look you know the cost of living crisis has gone up and we've all got to do mm. things that we're not necessarily comfortable with but um starting only fans like everyone else then. <laughs> <laughs> farm. i read yesterday that he's known in the italian national team as radio Jorginho because he's so so vocal that's is, nice great that, great is, that is quite a see, cool nickname did you see how mark cucarella found out about Jorginho moving <laughs> yeah. there's just a weird like, you shared this in the what you want from dead, deadline day right yeah. yes sort of yeah. Fish, you, you shared it so you, t- you explain to listeners if you haven't seen it what happened so it was tweeted out by goal.com and it looked like that it was one of those things where they had they had tied with Mark Cucurella and they were throwing to him about you know yes or no questions or you know getting get him to answer things off the top of his head and he was asked about who the I suppose who the smartest player he's played with is and without hesitation he said Jorginho and he's obviously doing this as a you know, Cucurella as a Chelsea player, probably organised through one of Chelsea's sponsors, probably at Chelsea's training ground. Yeah. And someone from behind the camera says, oh, I don't know if you, you can say that because he's about to go to Arsenal. And it, he was in shock. But I agree with you. That's what Deadline Day is Absolutely. about. That sense of like, fucking hell, yeah, anything's up for grabs. Yeah. It, it's generally hilarious because his reaction is so actually quite sincere and quite sweet. There wasn't a yeah. sense that he was getting in trouble. It was just like, and the idea that, even transfer deadline day is wild to footballers. Mm. Was that uh, that yeah. in itself was See, quite eye opening? That's part of the fun, and it, it, there were a few hints of it as well um, when uh, Enzo Fernandez's move was being discussed because it, it just sort of kind of reappeared, didn't it? I think we all thought that one was over, but um, early confirmation of the move came when a group of Chelsea fans scanned the flight logs of the plane the club used to bring loan signing João Felix to England and discovered the plane had a return trip planned from Farnborough to Lisbon for the entirety of deadline day. So a little, the, the sleuthing was there. There's a little bit of that. Did his medical in Portugal, as we learned over and over and over again. And it that, that took Chelsea spending to over 600 million under Todd Bowley. Uh, they spent 322 million pounds in January alone, which is more than the Premier League during last season's January window in total. And they spent more on the Bundesliga, Serie A, La Liga, League oh, and the Eredivisie combined. It is, it is just giddying. Um, you- I, had a, I had a big night out a while ago with a mate who, um, and the night, uh, sorry, the day afterwards, he got called up by his bank to authorise some transactions because they didn't believe that was, that was genuine. The mate, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. a mate. 
um, including like Sainsbury's at six in the morning. Mm. Um, and he had to confirm it was him. Todd Bowley's getting that call today. Constantly. <laughs> He's got a whole person for that. He's got a whole separate phone for someone to go, yeah, no, honestly, it's Todd again. Do you, do you find it interesting how often the media is trying to rationalise this? Yeah. So I'd love your perspective, which because you're a bit closer to the journalism game than, than we are. But like to me, it seems completely absurd. It's like a complete madhouse because of the obvious facts. And there's an, there's an Occam's razor quality to it where you're like, well, the guy's got loads of money. He's come into the to, to football for the first time, and he just wants all these players because he thinks the the way to do this is to buy up yeah. for the most part all these young players, no matter what the, it takes. No yeah. more draft for me. Yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And then the media come in and go, "Well, what he's trying to do is this, that, and the other." To me, it's absurd. It's absurd even by the standards of the Premier League. But you do. But I suppose part of part of the job of a journalist is to to rationalise stuff. And like football is an absurd world, so a lot of the time the explanations are pretty wild like um you know there was a a journalist from the athletic um who who covers brighton who was talking about you know tony bloom's um tactics around i suppose caicedo and it essentially when you when you boil down his words they amount to they have a price that they want to sell for and like loads of people were taking the piss out of him for that but ultimately like that's information he's garnered from the club and it sounds ridiculous but it is a ridiculous world. Mm. Um, and Todd Bowley's project at Chelsea is, I think, the height of that. Because, I mean, I'm inclined to agree with you. Sometimes you read, you know, some of the, or certainly you see some of the reaction from from pundits and journalists and you're like, but do you really believe that? And I suppose it's not about whether they believe that. It's This is what the club believe. This is what they think they're achieving by yeah, doing this. This is what they're aiming for. Yeah. The, the player situation, I just think, seems completely ridiculous. Even if you move to one side, that the chance that Graham Potter has got of blending all those players is an, is is close to zero. Yeah, and 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 the reason for that is because though is is because the logistical side of it is essentially like it's, it's essentially regulatorily impossible. Yeah. So so yeah. basically, they can only register three of the seven players they've signed to because to the Champions League squad because the UEFA this, this season's add, Champions yeah, League only squad, lets yeah. you add three players of the seven players they've signed in January. Um, and they've got to do that by tomorrow. They have so so. It's not even like Potter's got a chance to go right. This is where the players have settled. This is where they're living. This is their situation. This guy's family's over. This guy's isn't. This is how they train. He's got to make that decision by tomorrow. Yeah. Right? And then you take into account they've got um, twenty three players out on loan. They've got I think three players in every position in that squad, and a percentage of them obviously won't be able to be registered for yeah. the for the Premier League squad either. It's essentially saying that Graham Potter's job is with two hands tied behind his back. He's going to have to blend this team who are 21 points off the top of the Premier League and basically have almost zero chance of getting the top four next season. It, to me, it seems completely ridiculous. Mm. I, don't, I don't know why that's not being mentioned enough. One of those players is stranded in Paris. <laughs> yeah. That's how yeah. bad this they is. They just forgot about him. Yeah. There's too many of them. It's like Home Alone Lost in New York. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Re- reboot with Hakim Ziyech. <laughs> Well, the, the admin side to it is fascinating, really, because it does. Like, I was following the event of yesterday, and I, I felt it was it was more absurd than normal. And then you, like, at the you know the last moment, you get the situation with Matt Doherty um, at Spurs, where they can't officially loan him out to Atletico Madrid because of the number of loans they have out. So they just terminate his contract, and he's on a six month deal there. Yeah. Mm. Uh, do they realise he's not? Kieran Trippier, they're not going to pull that off again. I love that move for him. <laughs> yeah. I love that move for him, just chiefly because, um, just chiefly because it's like out of the frying pan into the fire. 
very yeah. much so. You, yeah. Do you like Conte? Not really. Doesn't doesn't he's, he literally slagged me off the other week saying <laughs> if I if I if I wanted to lose a game I'd pick Matt Doherty or whatever. Worse to that effect. Oh good, you want to work, play for someone worse? That's what's <laughs> going to happen now. Before we go to the break, very quickly, I think Pedro Porro is one of the most interesting signs of the, of the window because it, for the first time under Conte, Spurs will have a really dynamic right-sided wing-back who, who would be able to do what Conte wants him to do mm. and that might make a big difference for Spurs. Sporting also replaced with Hector Bellerin who had his eyes shut in the uh, announcement video for some Probably reason. Probably a fashion thing. Yeah, almost <laughs> certainly. You, you wouldn't get it. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah. Absolutely not. So after this, Shao Cancelo. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Only one of the best performances of the season. Really, that good? You thought it was one of your best performances of the season? By far. What makes you say that? What did you like about it? Everything. So some news that's just come out this morning is that Antonio Conte will be taking time out of football to recover from surgery uh, after having had his gallbladder removed today. So we wish him well, of course, and hope to see him back on the touchline soon. Wow, that's surprising. Yes. I didn't know about he's, that. He's been through the ringer, hasn't he? Yeah, he Antonio has. Conte. Personally, he's had a lot yeah, of stuff going on. He's had a very difficult time. So mm. yeah, we, we wish him well. Do you reckon that's how he got Pedro Porro? Daniel Levy, look, I've had a really tough time. <laughs> get, just get me a fallback. Stop fucking about. Get me yeah. one fallback I it's, want. It's my birthday next week. I'll chuck my gallbladder at you. <laughs> so, Jao Cancelo, we were talking about him being phased out on Monday and he's been phased out so effectively. He's now joined Bayern Munich on loan with the option to join permanently for over £60 million in the summer. Chelsea will pay that for him. Don't worry <laughs> yeah. about it. Have one, have one yourself. Yeah. <laughs> where, where am I going to play? Well, not in the Champions League. Chelsea, t- t- Todd Bowley's going to be sat in a restaurant 
And the um, the big decision makers at Bayern Munich are going to be on the other side of the restaurant. And Todd Bowles is going to see him walking in. And rather than send over a nice bottle of wine and say, nice to see you, he's going to send them Jao Cancelo. So, <laughs> I've spoken to Pep, it's fine. Help yourself. And then Jao Cancelo is going to walk in, like, sit down in his tracksuit and just sit there and eat dinner with him in the Bayern Munich tracksuit. Mm. That's Don't put your elbows on Todd So a lot has come out about Cancelo um, reacting quite badly to, to not playing. It's been fantastic. Not just Jim. at Man City, across his career as well. He's Apparently he's a, he, he's known for behaving essentially like a volcano was, was the word when he's not playing. And we know that, you know, Pep Guardiola likes to rotate his squad. I think when you're fighting on all fronts, you need to rotate your squad. So I think my question for you guys is that, he, I mean, Cancelo's probably one of the best players in the Premier League or certainly was while he was there. Does this weaken their squad for, for no essentially good reason or... Does it improve the togetherness that City need to to push on in the competitions they're still in? I think it. Um, I, I think they. I think they lose a string to their bow. Personally, I think. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, but, if, if it was a problem, then togetherness thing. But bear in mind how he operates a left back. The fact that he does basically have a free role. He's been one of one of the best players I think at City. Uh, essentially, doing what he wants City fullbacks to do in terms of come inside and offer an extra body in the middle because he offers an attacking threat, not just a receiver and redistributor of the ball. But I, I think he's outstanding. I, I think the league is like poorer for his absence personally, mm. but I say that as like an admirer of his talents. Ultimately though, if it does bring them together, then that's that's the job yeah, done. Did you, really. did you learn better in class with a kid at the back throwing pens at your head all fucking afternoon? No, but I had more fun. <laughs> When it was someone else's head. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Pep's about that life. Yeah, I think Pep wants enough, to yeah. win football I, matches. I do remember some of those moments more, actually. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I think I think it's also a really good reminder that, like, like the players... I mean, because like, Cancelo's, like, 28 years old now. So he's kind of like old enough to kind of understand how the world works. <laughs> like, grow up. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. I, th- I think you, you make some good points. I think, you know, you're going to make an argument around, you know, players of that nature, a lot of them who play in that position feel like they've been coached how to be um, good going forward. Like, but then you get occasional ones who are naturally... So, for example, Cancelo in the, in, in the final third is amazing. Yeah. He's brilliant. He doesn't he, look like a defender he, Exactly. And that's why he's going to be a big miss for them. But, you know, a lot of the stuff that's come out about him, Guardiola's got to maintain some kind of control. Of course, and, and, yeah. and, and, and to an extent, and there'd be the, the odd exception to this, but, you know, if, if Eric Hanhar can move on Cristiano Ronaldo... For, for kind of the same reasons in principle, then I'm sure that you know it's important that, that Guardiola maintains control and moves on Cancelo. Now, I know Cancelo's a, a better you know a better player now and Ronaldo, you know, but Ronaldo's a big ego and all the rest of it. Maybe it's not that helpful a comparison, but my point just is that Guardiola's always been about the team. Guardiola's got that policy famously where if you're not playing on Saturday, you are not allowed to be seen to be negative. Mm. You have to subscribe to this whole idea. It's the no bad faces policy. There we go. Is what he calls it. It's a clumsy translation, but I, I like yeah, it. I like yeah. it. A lot. But I, I, no, I, I, if I you're def- not going to subscribe to that, you're going to go. Yeah, you're going to yeah. go basically. And there's al- there's also a thing where Guardiola can turn turn to him and say, "Sorry, this is a squad full of brilliant world class players who are all, you know." committed to the cause and, and, and towing the line, essentially. Why do you think you're better than them? Why should, why do you deserve special treatment over a De Bruyne, a Bernardo Silva, mm. you know, Ruben Diaz? So, it, 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 really within the lines, I think the straw that broke the camel's back for him seems to have been that, the, that Guardiola started playing Rico Lewis ahead of him. Mm. And he thought that Rico Lewis is like, whatever he is, 18 years old, and it was an insult. But that's just a really narrow-minded way of looking at it. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think also, you've got to understand the appreciation of how sassy Cancelo has been about this as well, because yes. apparently uh, he stopped paying attention in meetings um, <laughs> when, when Rico Lewis got picked ahead of him, which I think to be absolutely fair and even handed, 
everyone in this office and everyone listening at home would be in big trouble if that was a fucking accusation <laughs> <Yeah>. because <laughs> who among us, etc. Yeah. Um, but also, um, the day after they um, played Arsenal, he, uh, he obviously didn't feature, didn't come off the bench. He posted a picture on his Instagram story accompanied by the words, don't let anyone dim your shine. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he himself... Paris Hill claimed, over here. <laughs> he himself has claimed that he wanted to get more playing minutes and he has also since blocked multiple Man City fan accounts on social media. It's so, so petty. It's spicy. Yeah, but have you seen Man City fan accounts on social oh, media? So there, there was a Man City amazing. fan on Twitter yesterday or this morning essentially really... To boil it down to the basics, Sam, why can't we do what Chelsea are doing at the moment? And spend six hundred million pound players. Yeah. We're a joke of a club. Yeah, it's so so short sighted. So he, this exact, this same fan who I've become obsessed with, um, got into a ding dong with, with an older supporter. I think was secretary of the Man City um, official supporters club. A, a, yeah, a yeah. club. And uh, th- this kid said to him, "You Main Road fans are so entitled, and the reason we haven't won the U- <laughs> the UCL when your generation fucks off, we might have a chance." <laughs> Fucking grandpa rumor mentions arguing with a nineteen year old. Go nit or something <laughs> incredible I can't even buy a house because of you he's yeah, come, <laughs> come to the conclusion that the the reason for Man City's quote unquote problems are the uh, the older fans who stuck by him for thick and thin <laughs> yeah. over the last 30 years you're the fucking problem mate yeah funny show some the, loyalty the, the, the kids idea is that they accept mediocrity right it's like my god I mean they essentially <laughs> have an unlimited budget they yeah. won the Premier League with 100 points a little while ago so, I mean I I don't need to justify that Man City are good it's, um, it's an incredible I think, I think Jim's nearly talked himself out of Arsenal winning the league. <laughs> no, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, did I say this to you the other day? I said it to one of my Arsenal fr- uh, supporting friends the other day. I firmly believe Arsenal will lose the league on the last day of the season. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I just, I, I looked at, I worked it all out. I looked at the, the, the likely results and I can see that happening. Well, I am trying my best to not think about any of that. So, um, <laughs> how, how would you feel if that happened? Would you, was it better to have loved and lost? How would you feel if your house <laughs> fell down? <laughs> Is it it's an, abs- that is an absurd yeah. question. Well, that's actually a bit out of order because there's been a bit of subsidence down my road. So yeah, is that right? Yeah, 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 <laughs> bit crack in the living room at the moment. No, is it better to have loved and lost? You had the hope, you had the dream of it. Would you rather have the dream and have it snatched away or not have the dream? Think back to Portsmouth winning the FA Cup yeah. and then think to right now yeah. and you tell me. I don't know what they're doing now. <laughs> I checked out of it. I had a, decor- I had a decorator around yesterday and um, I, I, yeah, he said to me, what football team you spot? I said Portsmouth. And he literally said to me, you are the only one, no? <laughs> I was like, probably by now. Yeah, he's like he never heard of the idea. He so hadn't know, even heard that of that tattoo bloke, Jim from Portsmouth. What's his Jim name? from Portsmouth? <laughs> out of order to you, John Portsmouth yeah, Football Club Westwood. Yeah, yeah, Thank not you very from much. Portsmouth. Is my dad's full name? <laughs> uh, so you're not going to answer that. You, you don't want to think about it. You don't want to engage. Uh, you on know that. the answer. Okay. You would rather finish fifth. <laughs> Then lose the league on the last this day of the season. This is a stupid question. All right, I'm not engaging with it. Fair enough. Nor are our listeners probably, so fair enough. Move on. Would you rather have scissors for hands? Or... <laughs> <laughs> so, um, big news coming out of the, uh, out, of the out, of, out of football, really. Sad news as well. Tony Pulis has officially retired from football management. Mm. Is that sad? Is it sad? I, <laughs> I thought he already had. He's had a good run. Got to be honest, he's not had a job for a while. Was he was was at Sheffield Wednesday last? Didn't work work out very well. It's just sort of been quiet. They re- kind of wheeled him out on Sky Sports News. Got, they've they've tricked us, haven't they? They've got another exclusive there that's not an exclusive. <laughs> yeah. Such a slow news day that this has trickled down into our running order. I, I was to say, I thought Sky Sports News had got bad as I mentioned in the first half. I didn't know Tony Pulis had been on it. <laughs> I'm not sure how to feel now. But I mean, to be fair to Tony, he did front up about the Sheffield Wednesday thing, didn't he? He said, you know, it's, it didn't go well for a number of different reasons, but I need to understand, you know. It was a mistake. 
you know, of mine as well. And I need to take responsibility for that. And a lot of managers wouldn't do that. And I think we'll also always remember Tony for um, getting the arsehole with James BT mm. and headbutting him in a changing room while he just was just wearing like a little towel. Yeah, it was at the Emirates that actually. It um, was actually. It was yeah. at the Emirates after they like, they'd, 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 yeah, had yeah. A, they'd had a very poor performance. He'd cancelled the Christmas party. James yeah, that's BT right. made the mistake of then questioning that publicly. And Tony drops the nut on him, possibly a number of nuts, because what? the towel's going to come off, right, in a situation like that. I think if you were going to commit to the headbutt, You'd be disappointed if your towel stayed on. <laughs> what kind of what kind James of James B was wearing that? the towel. No, the no, Tony Pulis was. was wearing the towel. Yeah, so and he had a, he, else. So he had a shower. Of course and, he did. And, and but the, but they'll take the warm up. They'll do all the running around on the touchline. They'll need to have a shower after. Yeah, he was, no, no, he was but, very much a tracksuit manager. But, so he so he, but he like stewed over it in the shower then, and then came out in the shower. I was like, right, the Christmas is cancelled, and well, one of you is getting nutted here. As I understand it, as I understand it, they were disappointed with the result of the Emirates. It was in the Emirates away dressing room, and Pulis had come out and said he's cancelling the Christmas party because he wasn't happy with their performances. BT took issue with that in the dress, in the shower. I guess they were in the shower at the same time. And Poulis just thought, I'm not having this. And Poulis is also famously uh, always refused to comment on it. Said that in, throughout my career, I've always really tried to never let any dressing room story get out from me. I'm not right. going to kind of break that code of a murder kind of thing. At the same time, though, you just deny it. You just say, that's bullshit. Yeah. You? Yeah. <laughs> he refused to do that as well. Yeah. So it obviously did happen. Yeah, right. And I also, right. Think, I also think he deserves an amount of credit. I, I'm not going to sit here and endorse kind of violence, apart from a few uh, circumstances and exceptions. Of which this is one, I think, actually. <laughs> Taking on James Beattie. He's got a big head. He's much bigger than him yeah. and much yeah. younger than him. I think is a great display of alpha male dominance. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? There's no yeah. other sort and of you, As we all it. know, Jim, you can't do anything these days, can you? you well, can't, no, you can't. can't stick the nut on anyone can't go around days. headbutting people. <laughs> no. Would you like to see... I mean, I can see Arteta dropping the nut on someone. Mm. Oh, no, no. He'd take out a glove and slap them across the face with it, wouldn't he? Yeah. He's but more he, of a duelist. But he's not always in control of his emotions, is he? No. No, that's true. When he falls out with players, it does tend to be quite a sort of rapid descent into yeah. kind of have you, have you heard the animosity. Pu- have you heard the Pulis story? It's not really a Pulis story, but it's quite funny, of when the players, I think, because he, when he was manager of Crystal Palace, at the end of the season, the players all went to Vegas for like a post-season holiday. Have you heard this story? No. And one of them, I, I can't remember who it was now, one of the Crystal Palace players, before they went, grabbed a load of Pulis <laughs> apparel from Sellers Park or from the training ground and that took it with him. And when they all went down to this pool party, they dressed up as Poulis with, <laughs> with the tracksuit and the TP on it and everything like that yeah. and the baseball cap and started wandering across the pool. And all the players thought it was Poulis and were like, shit, what the <laughs> fuck is he doing here? And at the end, he, he whipped his baseball cap off and he wasn't. So it shows you the I reputation of Poulis. he might even have had a mask. Oh, like, Tony so Poulis like mask? Really, something like that. So Basically, really, can you buy really... Tony Poulis mask? In many ways, that's the great man's legacy. <laughs> Tony Poulis was born where he was born at the time he was born and if he had grown up knowing that they'd better buy commercially mm. a mask of his face, he'd have said, my life will be a success. Cushioned to protect your, your own face when dropping the nut <laughs> dropping on people, the nut, exactly. I'd imagine. Exactly. Yeah, so uh, Tony Poulis, we hardly knew you. Uh, is, is, I, is I look it... forward to him inevitably coming out of retirement within a year. To do six months at West Brom. Something like that. Was, I forget who they were playing. There was a game where they were one 0 up at half half time, and they were apparently like knocking it about really nicely. And oh, and he got pissed off. Pulis was really pissed off. He said, "Get get rid of this Barca shit." <laughs> and he had he had a tactics board, so he basically just crossed out the midfield, pointed to the eighteen yard box, said, "Get it in there." <laughs> and they, and lost. they lost two one. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> incredible, incredible yeah. stuff. So more of that. So um, Vish, uh, your boys, Man United, are in action tonight, playing Nottingham Forest, three 0 up already. Uh, in the Carabao Cup semi-final, uh, probably 
going to be off to Wembley. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. It feels like, I mean, this famous last words, but it feels like a, an opportunity to get a few bodies back as well. Uh, Ten Hag mentioned yesterday. The that, disrespect. I mean, they're 3-0 up. Um, Not that the France just signed John Joe Shelby. Yeah. It's true, actually. It's a chance for them to bed some players in as well, right? Because they've done exactly what they did in the summer and just bought loads of players. You worry that it will upset the, the order and they'll have to sort of go back to square one a little bit. Quite cool players as well. Kaylor Navas. That's amazing. Felipe from Atletico Madrid and yeah. obviously Shelby as well. Um, Who's the most glamorous of those three, would you say? Shelves. The Costa Rican goalkeeper who've won several Champions Leagues, over 100 caps. Or John Joe Shelby used to scream at Alex Ferguson. I'll stick with my original answer. Shelves, yeah. yeah. Can he ping it though? He, he can't. He, he looked, probably he looked, can. He looked like a bin man at St James's Park last night. <laughs> yeah. I, I, could, I didn't know who it was. It sort of forgot he was there. Yeah, they showed him in the stand with this big like, cloth cap on. And I literally was like, who is that? I was very surprised that he came back for the game. It would yeah. be imagine if he got to the game. He's like, sorry, mate, we gave it to Nobby Solano. <laughs> we didn't get you to turn up. Yeah. It was free. You've got a game tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder if that's what it was. Yeah, he, he was there at St James's Park yesterday. He's like, I'll have a bit of this. So maybe he's pumped up for tonight mm. if he does. If he does play, mm. um, yeah. I mean, like, so Anthony Martial, um, Jaden Sancho. On the way back, it, United were basically running on fumes. During, well, I mean, obviously the, their congested period goes on, but um, certainly by the Arsenal game, certainly after the Arsenal game, it felt like they were scrabbling around a bit. And then with the injury to Ericsson, uh, courtesy of Andy Carroll, getting in Marcel yeah. Sabitzer is very exciting. So exciting that um, when I heard, when I read that United were in for him, I was like, I really like this player. It makes a lot of sense. Won't happen. Yeah. And then, and then it did. You know, he's obviously got a lot of energy. He was a heartbeat of that RB Leipzig side that established himself as a oh, mate, Bundesliga I, force. I remember and... seeing him at Spurs Stadium. They beat Leipzig, beat Spurs one nil. They'd beat them three nil in the first leg, and Sabitzer scored two in that game. Also, I wasn't at that game, but I saw that on TV. And I just remember thinking he was the absolute bollocks. Yeah, I just thought he was so mm. good. He could do everything. He, he basically dictated the whole game. And then when he went to Bayern Munich, you think, oh, that part of the world, that's the biggest club around, so you kind of make sense. I'd, I, I was always thinking to myself, I'd love to see him in the Premier League. And given that they've got that injury, as you've mentioned, I just think that's such a great sign. Yeah. yeah. Really timely bit of business, really well conducted as well. Man United really feel like they're getting their house in order when it Which comes to Which pisses me off, to be honest. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's annoying. <laughs> like, well, we, we need clubs at all times to be fucking things up. Yeah. That's the whole point of this show. Absolutely. So, he's played like, so he's played seven, uh, 27 times this season, so that includes for Austria and Bayern Munich. But he last played 90 minutes in like, November 20 against Italy in, in Italy's like uh, World Cup. Uh, warm up, you know, um, tune up friendlies. So I, I, presumably he's not going to come straight, and there'll be a, a bit of, you know, I suppose getting up to match speed. But yeah, I'm, I'm quite excited about it as well. Yeah, he's got a lot of energy. He's kind of. I hope he's not shit. I don't think he will be. I think he'll be. But ready he might, to hit you the never know. They, they, he might um, be shit. No, he won't be. I'll tell you why. Because Paul Merson's had his say. Go on. Paul Merson's had his say. You seen this? He says uh, he doesn't get in the Bayern Munich team. Uh, <laughs> he's way off that. Um, if he was that good, he'd be pushing. So again, it goes back to panic. There was no interest in him on January 1st. Now it's a panic buy. If I'm a Manchester United fan, I'll be looking and going, he doesn't get anywhere near Bayern's first team. So if he's not playing their first team, why would we want him at our club? Is he going to make us better? Are there players there already who should be better than him? In my opinion, yes. Yeah. So Merson said what he said. 
which means Sabitza will be an absolute rip-roaring success at United now. I mean, if people can't change their minds after the decisions that they generally make on January the 1st, then yeah. they're fucking idiots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, look, yeah, everyone's got great intentions <laughs> on January the 1st. <laughs> exactly, yeah. We're making a... Uh, that, it's, it's annoying, actually, because May United, the hierarchy, did say on January the 1st, our New Year's resolution is to not sign any world-class Austrian midfield players. Yeah. Yeah. They've fucking gone back on that now. And dry months. January, so... <laughs> embarrassed themselves. That. We have. One thing could be related to the other, actually, on that. Yeah, that's a good point. You didn't do dry, dry January, did you? No, I didn't. Never said I would. Your Instagram would be empty. <laughs> Absolutely fucking empty. I said I was going to do damp January. You'd lose so many followers. Every time Fish pops up in the little stories bit on Instagram, it's a bottle of wine. Always a bottle of wine. Or some kind of food accompanied mm. by a bottle of wine. All about the pairings. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a sweet, sweet life. Um, and on that, we're going to end the show. Um, so thank you very much to the pair of you. Um, Cheers. For, for rocking up and doing the show. Tomorrow on the continent is back. David joins Dutton and Andy for all the latest on the transfer window across Europe. So you can catch that tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Football Ramble, part of the ACAST Creator Network. Ramble is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.